the title of Godly Leadership, as has been stated, this is part two. Uh, this is actually the third in a series on leadership that we began a few uh, months ago with a study on the gift of rebuke. And while it is necessary for us to examine ourselves and think about uh, the kind of people we are, we ought to be the kind of people who could talk to one another and communicate to help one another and strengthen one another. Last time we talked, and I'll give just a brief overview. Uh, I thought I fixed it. No, I didn't. It got started over. Hang on. I thought it was me. It wasn't me as the tech support guy. Okay, here we go. Titus 1 verse 5, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are warning and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. This command given to the, the evangelist is a very important role within the kingdom. We talked briefly about the fact that there's only 27% of congregations have elders. That's pitiful. It's terrible. And part of the job that's my job and Jim's job and any evangelist's job is to go into congregations and help them to arrange further what they have so that at some point they can have elders and deacons, have qualified leadership and men to lead in those congregations. We take that seriously, and I guess in some ways it should be a passion of ours as we go out and work. We talked last time that godly leaders have foresight. They have vision that they can look down the road of time and see things coming. And the wise man, as we read in the book of Proverbs, will foresee evil and he will hide himself. And that's something that we have to have is foresight to prepare for the future as best we can. We can't know the future exactly, but we can be watchful on those things. Secondly, godly leaders do what's right. It's not up to our leaders to pull the congregation and make a choice on what will make everybody happy. Their job is to do what's right and lead us in a way that's right. And so it's very valuable and it's very important for us to study on these things. We need men whose faith we can follow. Hebrews 13, 7, Remember those which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. We've been given as a church the command to follow those who are in rule over us. And who is that? It's the elders or the bishop. We have been given the task to submit to them. Why? Because they've met these qualifications. They're men who have their lives in order, their families in order. And we follow them. Why? Because we trust them. Because they're those kind of men. And so we need men who we can follow their faith. Because here's the truth, and it's a bitter pill. But some of these days, there won't be a David Zebach here. There won't be a Garland Dukes. Age will get them, or disease will get them, or a car wreck will get them. Something will get them, eventually. And part of their vision, because I visited with them about it, is that there be other men to come in and qualify as elders and serve, hopefully, in an ideal world, serve with them for a time, and then at some point, they're going to go on to their reward. And if time stands, I'll go to my reward, and you'll go to your reward. 
But we hope and pray there will be a church here. And if there is a church here, then it needs elders and deacons. And this needs to self-sustain itself. And we need to find men and families whose faith we can imitate. That's what the word means. Whose faith follow. We ought to be able to follow that kind of a man. God has always wanted this for His people. I don't know if you've realized that, but God has always wanted this for His people. Exodus 18, verse 21. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of tens. This was the plan long ago, that there be men who would shepherd and take care of the church. And I want to tell you, God has always wanted quality leadership for His churches. Always. And it's not any different today. It's very true. And I want to tell you the truth today is this church deserves excellent leadership. Excellent leadership. The best opportunity for all of us to go to heaven is that we work together and that we have men whose faith we can follow, men who dedicate themselves to God and serve the Lord. And we can follow those men. It's God's design and it's God's plan and the truth is it's a wonderful plan. <clears throat> so our first point today is godly leaders are motivated to serve by love. That's it. Love. It's a great motivator. Other things motivate us. A whip can motivate. Fear can motivate. I saw Gage motivate some cows this week with hot shot. He motivated them right along and they moved. But it's certainly not the ideal way. The ideal way is to follow someone's faith. It's a much better process. And we're taught that godly leaders are motivated to serve by love. Notice our Lord Jesus in Mark chapter 6, verse 34. When Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion. He saw the people. And it touched his heart. And he was moved. His emotions evidently welled up in him. His compassion welled up in him. He was moved with compassion toward them because why? They were a sheep not having a shepherd. We need leaders. We need men to guide us and help us along the way. Notice what he did. He began to teach them many things. What happens when sheep don't have a shepherd? Well, they're scattered. What happens to sheep that are scattered? They die. That's what they do. They die. And churches that do not have godly men to lead will die. Uh, we've seen it over and again. I can give you a list that long of congregations that are no longer here. And we have to have leadership. And that leadership, I want you to notice, his leadership as far as teaching in this passage, he saw people, he had compassion on those people, he was moved by love to help those people. The same account, but from Matthew's point of view, Matthew 14, 14, Jesus went forth, saw a great multitude, was moved with compassion toward them, and healed their sick. So 
He did more than just teach, evidently. What Mark recalled was Jesus teaching. What Matthew recalled was Jesus healing those people. Luke has a little bit different view also. And the people, when they knew it, followed him and he received them and spake unto them of the kingdom of God, healed them that had... I'm going to back up. And healed them that had need of healing. He looked at them and he said, I want you to understand the kingdom. That's what he said. So I want you to think about, he was motivated by desire for their good. Why did he serve? Why did he lead? He wanted them to learn the truth. He wanted them to understand the kingdom. He wanted them to be healed. He wanted them to be fed. That's what he wanted. He wanted them to go to heaven. And I'll tell you today, godly leaders must be motivated by love. They must be. If you want to be an elder for some other reason, it's wrong. If you want to be an elder to be boss, it's wrong. It won't work. If you want to be an elder so you can thump your chest and be a Tarzan and say, I'm the man, it won't work. It won't work. Jesus was motivated by a desire for their good, and he was motivated to act because of his love for them. 1 Timothy 3, verse 1, this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Now, I've heard this preached on countless times. I think most all of them were good. I've heard this verse described in a multitude of ways. I've heard people say desires a qualification. I don't know if that's true. I think this is given before those qualifications. I've heard it described in a multitude of ways, but I think the way I would prefer to describe it is it's like what happened when Jesus saw the people. If you want to be an elder... You have to have a desire to help people, to serve people. A man who desires the office of bishop, it's going to be work. And that work is going to have to be a labor of love. Do you know how much money our elders make? Not one brown penny from this church. 19 years of labor for not one penny. And why do they do that? Because they love us. They love people. They want people to go to heaven. They want this church to flourish and grow. I'll tell you, they probably could think of different hobbies and other things that they enjoy to do, but they put a lot of time to this. And I think any good elder has got to love people. Godly leaders are motivated by the same love as Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. Let each of you look not only for his own interest, but also of the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You have to have this attitude if you want to be a servant in the church. If you want to hold an office in the church today, you've got to have this attitude. I want to help people. I'm willing to serve people. Why? Because I love you. I care about you. I want you to make it to heaven. I will do anything I can to help you to get to heaven. I want to ask you, do this love, does this kind of love and this compassion motivate you to serve? It should. Because the more people who serve and the more the people that dedicate themselves, the better and better this deal will get. 
the stronger and stronger you will get. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but people that have a lot of problems in their lives and a lot of heartaches in their lives, usually those things get better if they get out and start helping other people. If we just sit around and dwell on ourselves and on our problems, it's usually a struggle. But we get out and help people, and we use the love that we have and the compassion that we have. If it motivates us, that's a good thing. This same love must motivate you to strive to add the qualities that we find elders and deacons and the qualifications that we find in our lives. I want you to listen to me very carefully. This love of God, this love of His kingdom, this love of others must motivate you to become what He would have you to be. People don't just accidentally get to be elders. Men don't just accidentally accidentally qualify to be deacons. It takes work. We have to strive to add those qualities to our lives. If you are self-willed, then you must strive to become selfless. If you lack temperance, then you need to strive for self-control, to learn self-control. And I suppose we could go down every qualification. If you lack hospitality, then you need to work to become hospitable. Because every one of these qualifications have been given by the Lord for us to follow. And not only for us to follow, but for that man to become the kind of man that God wants him to be. You wives, you must strive to become the wife that you must be in order for your husband to be qualified for leadership. There's plenty of men out there in the world today who are good men and who will not qualify because of their wife. And that's bitter. That hurts. And so it takes a team of people to work together, to strive together to add these attributes into our lives, to have children who are obedient and faithful. All these things have to work together. I made this statement last time. I'll make it again. We've got 115 people that are part of this congregation. We've got two that qualify for the eldership. It's strict. And it's tough, but it's something we should strive for because I think there are a lot of blessings that come with that. I asked ten elders this question. What is the greatest blessing you have received personally from being an elder? I thought it was a pretty simple question. Two or three asked, what are you talking about? And I'll tell you the reason I think they said, what do you mean? I don't think a lot of elders think about whether or not it's a blessing to themselves. They haven't looked at it that way. But here's the basic answer. The greatest blessing is the opportunity to serve others at a greater level in the Lord's kingdom. This was given about 7 out of the 10. Most elders look at their role as an elder as a blessing because it gives them more opportunities to serve. And I think that's pretty telling to us about the fact that godly leaders have got to be motivated to serve by love. Secondly, godly leaders want to work. That's what they want to do. I had mentioned that I had a little bit of a hard time 
thinking of a good background picture, but I found this guy, he's dirty, he's got his gloves on, he wants to work. And godly leaders have got to want to work. Titus chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. Now listen, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Work is a part of the Christian life. Efforts to help other people. And God has purchased us and purified us that we might be a people who has zeal to do good. And I think it's a wonderful quality. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21, he says, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. How many volunteer hours do you think are spent every year by members of this congregation to help people? I will tell you it's thousands. Thousands. And I think it's one of the great reasons that we're growing. And the reason is we love people. Our treasure is in our heart is with people. We like people. We want to help people. And it's a wonderful thing. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 56, verse 10, the Bible says his watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. You ever had a dumb dog? Oh, I have. I've had more dumb ones than I've had smart ones. And you know what the problem is with a dumb dog? He just won't learn. You teach him and you warn him and you scold him and you can whip him. And you're wasting your time because he's dumb. These watchmen, these elders of Israel, listen to what he describes them as. They're blind. They don't have no foresight. They don't have no vision. They are ignorant, he says. They're all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. This is how he described these men of God, these leaders of Israel, were they working? No. They were sleeping. They were laying around. When they should have been watchful, when they should have been vigilant, when they should have been active, and do anything. You know, maybe it's a long time ago now, ten years ago, I don't know. I woke up one night, it's in the fall of the year, my allergies were real bad. I couldn't sleep. My eyes were itching. My nose was running. And I just got up. And I went in the living room and I sat down. And when I do that, usually I get up and I go in the kitchen. I open the refrigerator, you know, just make sure everything's where it belongs. Put it back, you know. And I heard something out on the porch. It sounded like a chair scooting. And I heard it again. How in the world? And I go over there, and I flip on the light, and on my back porch is my dog. Lucky is sitting on her rump, and there's a skunk eating her food. And she's just watching. And I'm thinking, you know, come on, be a dog. Do your job here. And every once in a while, that skunk turned around, she'd back up a little and bump a chair, and the chair would make a noise. That's what I heard. Well, she didn't bark. And we might say, well, pretty smart dog. Smart enough not to tangle with skunk. I know dogs that will tangle with skunks 
every opportunity. They don't learn nothing. I heard an elder, one of the greatest quotes ever, Van Miller, talking about elders, talking about being an elder, being a leader. He said, I may be a dumb dog, but I'll bark. <laughs> I'll bark. An elder is work. There's, not, there's times it's going to be a lot of effort. I will tell you, it's, there's times it's going to be a lot of effort on a wife. There's times you're not going to sleep. Because some families having problems, you got to go in the night. There's sometimes you can't sleep because of worry. You see, it takes miles of driving and effort and phone calls. All those things are motivated by love because you don't get paid to do that. So, godly leaders have got to want this work. It takes a lot for the church to function well. Do you know that? It takes light bulbs. We've got to have them. It's hard to have church without light bulbs. It takes a baptistry cleaned out. They're a pain. Do you know it? It takes air conditioner filters. You think very many people will come if the AC don't work? I bet not. It takes hospital visits. It takes Facebook. I don't think our elders do a lot on Facebook. It takes delegation, though. We can delegate those jobs to somebody else. It takes grass being mowed. It takes visits without number. Bible studies without end. Encouragement, it takes taking out the trash, doesn't it? There are a lot of things that have to be done, and they have to be done well for a church to function. And all of these things are going to all fall under an umbrella of godly leaders making choices and decisions on those things. To be an elder or a deacon is a service. The word elder essentially means shepherd. Elder means older man. Uh, and if you look at all the Greek behind those, the word, it means one who oversees or superintends. One whose job it is to manage is essentially what it means. Uh, the word deacon is a very interesting word. Uh, the D, or in the Greek it's D-I-A, and the, the last part of the word is kenos. It means to thoroughly kick up the dust. Uh, if you read on further, it's going to say a waiter. You ever have a bad waiter? I've had some bad ones. I'll tell you, the best waiter I ever had was in Juarez, Mexico. And that old boy kicked up the dust. He ran to the kitchen and he ran back out there. And if I took a sip of tea, he went, boop, put a little water in it or a little tea. And he just ran around like a busy bee. Man, he was great. And I ate a wonderful meal and gave him a big tip, eight bucks. This is the idea. To be an elder or a deacon is a service. The very word deacon means one who serves rapidly through kicking up the dust. 
The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, beginning of verse 15. I beseech you, brethren, that ye know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they, notice what he says, have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. The house of Stephanus was addicted to service. In fact, it says they addicted themselves. They forced themselves to do this. Verse 16, that ye submit yourselves to such. It falls directly in line with those who have the rule over us that we ought to follow their faith. He says, you submit yourselves to such, to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. To be an elder or a deacon is a life of service. And if you're going to be involved in those things, then you're going to have to have the heart of a servant. Matthew 20 Verse 26, But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus was a servant. We have to be too. He did not do it for glory. He did it for love of people. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 19, For though I be free from all men, yet I have made myself servant of all, that I might gain the more. This was the attitude of the apostle. 1 Peter 5 verse 2, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. The apostle Peter, who was also an elder, he said, an elder's job in part is to feed the flock, to teach the people, to take the oversight, which is to superintend or manage, not by constraint, but willingly. I looked this up in the Spanish. Even asked Laura how to say it. I'm probably going to mess it up. I didn't practice enough. I should have listened more. Sino voluntariamente but willingly. Sino voluntarymente. Voluntarily. We do this willingly, voluntarily. <clears throat> I have noticed that uh, there is a phrase that people say when it comes to elders. They say, well, he's already doing the work. We go to churches and we try to find men maybe who's never had, they've never had elders and we say, well, who's already doing this work? Because there are generally people doing some of that work. But the apostle says an elder or deacon's work is a service and it has to be willing. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. We then as workers together with him beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted. In the day of salvation I have succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God. In much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, and imprisonments, and tumults, and labors, and watchings, and fastings. I'll tell you, the work of an elder is not easy work. It's not easy work. And I, you can ask either one of our elders. 
If there's times they'd a lot rather not been an elder, they'll probably say, yep. There's been decisions, there's been heartaches and troubles that were difficult. The question is, do you want to be a servant? Do you want to serve the church? Are you motivated to do that by love? Because that's what it takes. It takes a heart of love. It takes men and women who are willing to dedicate their self and years of effort. And as been, has been said, in the next two or three years, we hope to go through this process to add additional elders and deacons. We need them. This congregation needs people at this time to step up. To sacrifice. It's what it is. It's a sacrifice of time and of effort. And there may be things in your life that you have to change in order to meet those qualifications. But I think it'll be a blessing not only to you, but to this whole congregation. I look forward to that. I think it's going to be a wonderful thing. I think it's going to be a tremendous blessing uh, to this congregation.